Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of Wisdom of Friends. I'm your host, Cal Ross, and today I'm really excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. His name is Michael Ichao. Now, Ichao is a writer and improviser living in Seattle. Currently a narrative designer for the game Guild Wars 2, Ichao also was a writer for the game Magic, The Gathering, and for Disney Imagineering. After getting a BA in English and theater and an MFA in acting from California Institute of the Arts, Ichao's career has led him from playwriting to performing to writing for theme parks to writing for TV and to writing in the gaming industry. In addition to his writing work, Ichao also performs and teaches improvisational theater and comedy with Jet City Improv regularly performing with the company as well as his own troops and shows. As a playwright, his plays have been produced in cities across the US and UK, and he's also currently directing Jet City Improv's season opener, Dystopia, the musical, a fully improvised musical set in a post-apocalyptic world. His performance work and his writing frequently influences and informs one another. Friends, in this episode, each hour talks about a journey of an artist, what it takes to follow your passion, how do you find your passion, and what does it mean to be successful in an artistic world. This is one of the very fascinating conversations I've had in a long time, and I hope you enjoy it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. And without further ado, let's welcome the one and only... So good afternoon, uh, Icha. Welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took some time uh, to be on this program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, let me start off with my first impressions of you, uh, Icha. This was almost like six months ago when I enrolled for a improv comedy uh, workshop that you had led here in Seattle. Uh, it was part of the Jet City uh, Improv production. And uh, part of my reasoning for joining this day uh, or taking this workshop was since I work in this business and technology and corporate, uh, ba- uh, you know, arena, uh, I was referred to by one of my friends that that would be a great asset to have when it comes to like, you know, making uh, business decisions with conviction and to be able to just laugh at yourself, you know, like not being so serious and like take it all like, you know, uh, life is, does, does not have to be so significant even if you're in the world of business and you can laugh at yourself. And and then the third thing really was about how to read a room or how to like collaborate by just Picking up the cues. Uh, so these are some of the skills that I was told that, uh, you know, an improv workshop would definitely enhance. And guess what? I mean, your workshop that you led was so fantastic that I know, and I can probably speak for everybody in that class, that we had such a great time. And I know most of us uh, 
uh, registered for the next uh, uh, session and that series and that workshop. So I just want to thank you for that. And and I think the biggest takeaway for me from taking that workshop was how to loosen up and shake it up <laughs> and, <laughs> and really uh, have a good time. So thank you for that. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I, I've been doing improv for a, a while now. Uh, just a little over 10 years. And uh, I've got to say, uh, the thing I like about it the most is that uh, not only is it fun in and of itself, but uh, it's just uh, a great way to, you know, be able to think on your feet and uh, empower you to have confidence. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad you got some of that out of the class. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways uh, we kick off our program here is uh, by asking our guests a very simple question, and that is, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I think the one that comes immediately to mind is uh, lean into the fear. Um and uh, it sounds a little cheesy. It sounds a little, you know, very <laughs> inspirational poster, uh, the kind of quote you'd see on top of a picture of the beach or, or a cat hanging onto a branch, right? But uh, uh, to, to me, leaning into the fear really just means um, finding something that scares you a little bit, that challenges you, and uh, and going for it and, and taking the leap and trying the new thing. Um, for me, uh, this has played out in a lot of different ways in my life. Everything from, you know, applying for a program that I'm a little bit nervous about or don't think I would get into or going for a job that I'm like, oh, that feels like just a little out of my reach uh, or uh, attempting to put together a project or uh, something like that that I think, oh, this is going to be a little bigger than I've ever done before. I'm not sure I'm going to do it right or do it well. Uh, and then going for it and, and trying it. Um, and I found that uh, more often than not, uh, you know, your own ability to achieve a thing that you think is slightly out of your reach, uh, is quite, uh, you're, you're able to do that more often than you think. And even if you fall short, you've pushed yourself to try something new and grow as a person, uh, which, uh, I find is ultimately the thing that helps me get better at whatever it is I'm trying to do. No, that is so great. I like that uh, about leaning into your fear and just going for your dreams. And I, as I was researching your uh, background a little bit, and I came across your blog where you have this amazing uh, post uh, that you recently published. It's called Don't Follow Your pa Passion, which is, and I think uh, to give it a context, I just want to make sure that, you know, you talk about, you know, don't just want your dream job. Start doing the thing. Don't wait for perm permission. Just do it. Don't chase passions. Allow them to grow as you do the work. That's such a beautiful sentiment. And, you know, one of the questions that we often get from our audiences is, you know, like, how does one go about following or finding or calling or passion? Do you have any tips on that? Yeah, I think, um, and this is definitely an, an idea that I came up with, but uh, something that I've learned over time in my life and also uh, had great mentors kind of tell me, uh, which is uh, there is a tendency for us to say, oh, find your passion and find the thing you really love. And then, and that'll give you so much direction in life. And you just have to chase that and it'll be great and it'll be perfect. And really, uh, that's not a it isn't complete in terms of advice, right? It's kind of just a piece of the thing in, in the sense that, 
Uh, for me, at least, uh, the thing that I've discovered that I really love and ultimately drives everything I do is I love telling stories. And that mostly manifests itself as in terms of writing and uh, performing. And uh, over time, I've gotten better at those things. Uh, I've gotten experience. I've gotten chances to work uh, on some pretty cool and big projects. Uh, and But that didn't start from... Uh, me discovering, yeah, this is the one thing that I do. It started from me being, this is interesting. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to be really bad at it. And then, uh, and, and I, and then keep working at it until I was better. Um, in terms of like finding a passion, I, I think sometimes people, when they hear that, they think, oh, if I try it, it's like love at first sight. I'm going to know right away. This is the thing I should be doing with my life. And very rarely is it that usually it's like, oh, this is all right. Or, oh, that, that, that was kind of interesting. Um, and, and it's a thing of, uh, you've, 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 you've just got to give yourself the opportunity to try different things, uh, and allow yourself to be bad at the thing you're trying and, uh, allow yourself the time to get better at it and discover if there, this is something that you find enjoyment from. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the arena that I would say to start in. Well, that was so great. And actually, uh, I was recently reading a book by this author called Cal Newport. And, uh, you know, he's written a couple of bestsellers, New York Times bestsellers. Uh, one is called Be So Good That They Cannot Ignore You. And the other one is uh, Deep Work. And it, and his uh, primary uh, philosophy as far as passion, finding your passion is concerned is very similar to what you just stated is, you know, oftentimes uh, there is this uh, misconceived notion that you know, you got to follow your bliss. And I think it came from Joseph Campbell, uh, which kind of like has its right context. I don't want to kind of like uh, beat it down. But but I think in today's day and age, with so much of shifts happening all around us in the business and technology, and I think there's so many opportunities that, you know, if you don't tap into it, you probably won't even uh, know what's going on out there or what possible opportunity cost you're missing out on if you don't even uh, dabble into it. And I think once you pick something that f- catches your interest, as you said, and then kind of like start working on it, and as you start getting some kind of competency and proficiency, it automatically starts developing a passion within you that you can continue to work towards mastery of that craft. So, uh, no, that's that's so great. And each, um, uh, I'm looking at your background here, and you have such a eclectic background. I must say, I mean, you're a writer, <laughs> you're an actor, you're an artist, and and I'm just really fascinated by the choices you've made with your career. And I want to kind of like take a moment uh, to walk down the memory lane here for a second. Uh, so, what I'm curious about is, uh, what did your parents do, and how did that shape your life? <laughs> so uh uh my uh mom and uh, my birth dad split up when i was very young uh so i grew up with just my mom uh, my dad kind of left the picture pretty early uh and my mom was a computer engineer uh she uh, had gotten originally she had gotten her first degree in china in aeronautic engineering she wanted to be a pilot wow. uh, but then she needed glasses and she ended up not being able to be a pilot but she taught at a pilot school for a while and then things in china were changing the world was changing and she's like i think you know one, I want to go to the U.S. and study. Two, uh, 
I want to go into a field that I think ha- is growing right now, which is computer science. So she came to the U.S., got her master's degree uh, in computer science, and has been working at Intel uh, for the bulk of her career. And so she's a very analytical-minded person and just awesome and kind of really worked very hard. Now she is a uh, uh, she's a senior engineer for them. And I think recently she's moved more on to like, the program management uh, side of things. But uh, yeah, so that's that's my parents' background, and uh, it was really fun because um, even though my mom, you know, is very much a hard sciences background, uh, when I started developing an interest in you know the liberal arts and in writing, in in uh, storytelling, uh, and when I started college and decided I wanted to study theater and English, my mom was actually really supportive, which was awesome. Uh, you know, the, the stereotype of the Asian kid is uh, oh they all all their parents want them to grow up to be doctors and lawyers, right? Uh, and uh, that wasn't really the case for me. I was very fortunate. My mom was always like, you know, I worked really hard uh, to be good in the field that I'm in, uh, not because it's the thing that is, you know, makes me super happy every day getting to work on computer science, but because I wanted to support my family. And part of that is supporting you to do the things you love and giving you the space to do the things you love. So she was always very supportive of me pursuing um, my interests, which was really, really fortunate uh, growing up because it makes a huge difference in terms of building that confidence uh, uh, doing what you ultimately want to do. No, that's so great. And I can kind of like resonate with that because uh, me being from an Indian background, you're absolutely right. You know, it's like the focus always <laughs> was on education and, you know, either you end up becoming an engineer uh, or a doctor or a lawyer. And, uh, <laughs> and and oftentimes, and I think the intention behind choosing those kind of professions is kind of like pretty, pretty good because they want to make sure that, you know, your kids can get a good job and they can make a good living and support the family and the kind of thing. But what I think... Uh, what also happens in the process is, uh, you know, you, sometimes the kids are not meant for that kind of profession. They have a different passion or they have a different calling. And then oftentimes uh, they end up with a midlife crisis <laughs> and uh, like try to choose a profession. And, you know, and oftentimes it's like too late in the game to like do a fresh start, but it's never too late. And in my case, I studied engineering and went on to do uh, business management. And then I found out that I have a real a passion for the creative arts and uh, you know so I ended up also becoming an author and a professional speaker and and uh, now I'm doing podcasting so who would have thought uh, <laughs> that uh, I would be doing podcasting now so no this is this is really great and so what I'm what I'm curious about Michael Ichao uh, is that uh, uh, did you know like when did you start knowing that you know it was uh, the creative field was your calling like uh, was there a particular moment about writing acting and becoming a part of the performer performing arts that spoke to you or how did you know that that was the major you wanted to choose uh yeah so uh, when I started college, uh, the major that I started in was English and education. Uh, at that point, I knew I liked writing. Uh, you know, it was my favorite class in school, all throughout high school. Uh, I, I loved reading. I was a voracious reader as a kid. And I was like, I think I want to be a novelist when I grow up. It'll be great. Uh, and then my first year of college, uh, I took a, a theater class, an acting class, just for fun, because I had done theater once or twice when I was a kid, and I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this will be a fun thing to do as an extra curricular. And by the end of my first semester of college, I had switched my major over to English and theater. I just really loved it and was very excited by it. Um, it was also 
uh, scary for me because uh, whereas uh, in in high school I was very much the stereotypical like nerdy valedictorian you know do do it by the books academic kid and uh, you know where my focus was in the sciences and maths where there's always a right answer or a wrong answer uh, what thrilled me and and terrified me about theater and writing was there is no subjective best uh, a lot of the times mm. uh, and uh, I had just felt like I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and then I've, and, and, uh, I didn't know how to get good, right? Like in, with sciences and math classes, it was like, okay, if I study and I learn the formulas and I apply the right things, I know how to gain more knowledge and be good in this course. Uh, in acting, it was like, okay, I can learn technique and try different things, but it's so much of it is more ephemeral. And to me, it was more challenging and, and hard in a very much different way than a lot of the things that engaged me in high school. So that kind of pulled my interest uh, in and I started uh, kind of diving really deep into uh, theater and uh, and write and playwriting as well so oh that's so great so uh, one of the questions I do have is you know having interviewed uh, many guests on this show now one of the through line if you will that uh, we've noticed is oftentimes that you know these uh, successful people uh, like yourself in this particular field, uh, often go through like challenges and uh, and and they don't they somehow don't take it as a failure but they kind of like use that as a stepping stone to move on to something even greater or bigger or expand their capacity to take on bigger challenges if you will so when you look so my question is when you look back at your life up until now what would you say were one or two turning points in your life or challenges in your life and how what lessons did those uh, situations provide you that helped you navigate life as you move forward uh, yeah, I think so many, right? Uh, I think the thing is, uh, when you're faced with a big challenge or a potential defeat, uh, the question is, um, you know, do you read it as, oh, I failed and I should turn around because clearly this was in the way? Or do you read it as, oh, this didn't work out, but now I know all the ways it doesn't work, I can try it again and <laughs> and be so much better equipped to give it another shot? Uh, it's a lot easier to talk about that and say like, oh, of course, I would choose to do it again uh, when you're far away from it and you're not experiencing the fresh pain of, of whatever failure or challenge you faced. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, the difference of, you know, being able to grow at, in whatever field you're working in is that willingness to kind of dive back in after you've suffered that defeat. Uh, I, that, I think there's two things I want to – two stories I want to tell really quick uh, in this regard. One is I think one of the most formative things I ever got to do was uh, attend a program called National Theater Institute uh, at the O'Neill Theater. Uh, and uh, that was a program that was this theater-intensive program. It was seven days a week with uh, classes for 10 hours, and then we would start doing homework. Uh, and actually the biggest learnings I got out of that wasn't anything specifically about theater, but rather that program taught me – One, uh, I could do more in more limited time than I thought possible. An example was uh, I am terrible at memorizing as an actor and trying to memorize a lot of lines is really hard for me. And I was given uh, a performance where I had nine hours to rehearse and I had to memorize like five or six pages of text and deliver it in this massive monologue. And I was like, this is impossible. This is completely something I can't do. Uh, But because I had to do it, I, I did it. I managed to do it. Uh, and so it empowered, like just having that experience empowered me to be like, 
where I think my limits are are usually inaccurate. And if I push myself, I can get more done in less time than I think is possible. And the other biggest learning uh, is in that same vein of like uh, things that I think uh, are impossible are probably actually within my reach in terms of we had a class where we had to pitch starting a theater company and we had to use uh, our actual hometowns of like where we would start the company and do actual research into spaces and venues and like plan this thing out in a way that it's like, hey, this is actually doable. And for me as a 19 year old kid, the idea of starting a company seemed impossible. But over the course of this class where it was just broken down into steps and broken down into things to look at and consider, I was like, oh, I think I can actually do this, right? It's the same thing of like when I started and I was majoring in theater and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to become an actor. I always say, oh, I'm an aspiring actor. Someday I'll be an actor. And uh, it's giving yourself that permission and realizing that you are whatever you are wanting to do the instant you start trying to do it. You don't have to wait for someone's permission or wait for yourself to be good enough to be whatever it is you want to be. You are that thing once you start trying. And you're just not a very good actor maybe, but you're, you're an actor and you're just going to be keep getting better uh, if you give yourself permission to call yourself by the thing you're doing. And it's an imp- incredibly important mindset thing of – thinking of yourself as the thing you're trying to accomplish. Because until you think of yourself as that, no one else is going to look at you as, as that thing, right? So that, the program taught me those two big lessons. Uh, in terms of actual challenges where I failed, there's so many to list, right? Uh, a great one is I got called into audition for an ABC uh, show. So this was for a recurring guest star role on a TV show. Uh, and I got called in by one of the writers on this show. I had met her via uh, another pro- pro- project. And she's like, hey, I think you'd be a great fit for this character I wrote. So basically, a friend of mine wrote a character for a TV show that she thought I would be good at. And I got called into audition for the show. And I was like, this is amazing. As an actor, this is a dream, right? I go in, I audition, I prepared, you know, I did my homework, but I didn't prepare enough, right? And I, I had an okay audition, but uh, because of weird circumstances, things got moved around. I feel like overall the impression was m- mediocre and I didn't get the part, even though all these things were set up in my favor to get it. And it was just a, such a great lesson for me of like, you can never, you've always got to work harder than you think you do and never take anything for granted. And hey, these things are going to happen. You're going to have seemingly everything set up for perfection and then it's all going to fall apart. <laughs> and guess what? Tomorrow you wake up and you go to your next audition and you keep doing it. Like it, it, that's, that's all there is to it. Uh, and there's so many points in my career where that's been true, whether it was acting, whether it was like a big writing project that was going really well and then things kind of fell apart with funding or whatever it is. Um, you know, Ultimately, it's just learning that uh, those heartbreak moments – uh, you can either throw in the towel and be like, well, that's been fun. Or you can be like, it's part of what you do. Keep going. Keep trucking along. So No, I like that. I, I Actually, I love that because I think uh, the couple of points you mentioned here that are so, uh, you know, it's like it's, it's going to make a terrific uh, difference for our audience here. I think one of them that you talked about is, you know, how we as just, 
just as human beings, we are so poor at making assessment of what's possible, right? In the sense that <laughs> we overestimate what we can get done in a year, but underestimate uh, what we can get done in a decade. And I think that comes from a quote from Tony Robbins. And and I think uh, that's so beautiful. I mean, and the other point of that is also that once we see that it's possible, it's in the realm of possibility, as you mentioned, that, you know, putting together a pitch for starting a company in your hometown and doing the actual research and seeing that now it's doing that gives you a sense of confidence and a belief that, hey, this, which was totally impossible before, now I can do it. And and I think those two things are so remarkable. And I think the most important point of it is, you know, you got to like go for it with, uh, you know, 100% effort and not just slack off. And especially uh, those championship moments, like your audition call, you know, they come unexpectedly and out of the blues. And if you're not ready for it, and if you're not like really you know, play that final Grand Slam championship match, if you will. It's, it's like, you know, that's definitely a lesson that we can all take that, you know, you got to be always be preparing and learning and growing. And uh, no, that's so great. I think, uh, and I think also one other point uh, I would like to make for our audience here is, uh, you know, that belief system, right? It's that Roger Bannister uh, analogy where, you know, nobody thought he could run a mile under a minute or whatever. And then he did it. And after that, before that, 12 years before, like nobody thought it was possible. And he did it. And within 12 months, like, you know, some 20, 30 people ended up breaking the record. It was like unbelievable. And so I think the potential of human imagination is just uh, incredible. So, no, thank you for sharing that. That's very inspiring. Uh, the other question I have for you, uh, Icha, is like growing up, whom did you idolize? Who were your mentors? And uh, were there any celebrities in the entertainment industry that uh, you looked up to or who fascinated you? Uh, honestly, uh, a lot of my mentors were a lot more intimate than like celebrities. And I think uh, ultimately that for me, at least personally, um, that helped ground me a little bit more than, you know, like it, it was a little bit more tangible and a little bit more grounded in, uh, things that were, uh, uh let me see if I could start that answer over again. <laughs> I think, uh, growing up, um, a lot of my mentors and big people who inspired me were actually people that I, uh, worked with a lot more intimately rather than big celebrities, uh, in the sense of like, uh, great teachers and mentors who did phenomenal work, uh, and who understood the craft that I was pursuing. Well, those people really inspired me to, uh, emulate and to grow in, in th that regard. Uh, and, I think to me, especially when you talk about things like acting and uh, there's a lot of complication of like looking at a Tom Cruise or whoever and being like, oh, I want to be them. Because I think when people look at movie stars and, and these big celebrities, uh, we are more interested and fascinated by the concept of celebrity rather than necessarily by the quality of what they're doing work wise. Like what is what is it that this person is bringing to craft wise to whatever it is they do to, to the performance or whatever um and uh to me uh somebody who's like i want to be a celebrity ultimately is chasing something that can't be satisfied by their own selves like celebrity comes from external people give, bequeathing it upon you uh looking to you and, and giving you this like adoration or or attention whereas uh if your goals are more inspired by craft and work and skill and technique 
that is going to drive you to be able to do things to obtain the things that you admire. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't admire those things in celebrities. For me, though, uh, it was a lot more uh, useful and a lot more natural to find those in the people and artists that I was working with and surrounding myself with. Um, you know, in terms of playwriting, it was meeting playwrights who I thought wrote phenomenal plays that aren't going to be, you know, famous in terms of the wider uh, breadth of people, but whose work I really enjoyed and uh, who I looked up to as uh, in terms of the craft. Um, if I had to list one big celebrity who, who, uh, whose words had a big impact on me, uh, there, there would be two, uh, Ira Glass and uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin, for the quote that you mentioned, uh, was actually the title of a book that you mentioned earlier, uh, Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. Uh, I think uh, Steve Martin said that in response to, what, do you get, what advice do you give to young aspiring comedians? Uh, and I think that advice, more than anything else, kind of serves uh, as just a really great um, kind of goalpost and and uh, centering idea of it's not about anything else. It's about whatever you do, just getting really, really good at doing it. Because if you're great, everything else will uh, will come after that. And until you're great, everything else doesn't really matter. Because if you're not good enough to do the thing, even the, if the opportunities present themselves, you're not going to be ready. Uh, and the reason for Ira Glass is uh, his quote about the gap between a person's taste and their ability to create in the artistic field that they're endeavoring in. Uh, if you don't know the quote, you can look it up. But basically, allowing me to paraphrase poorly, uh, he talks about how when we are motivated to start doing an artistic thing, it's because we have a really refined sense of taste of it. We know what we love about the thing we're doing, whether it's comedy or, or performing, whatever it is. We know what it looks like when you're good at it. But when we start doing it, you're not good right away. You're actually probably bad at it. And so there's this gap between what you can make and what you know is good. And most people give up because they feel like they're no good at it. But the secret is you're going to be bad for a while until you gain the skills to be so good they can't ignore you, right? So for me, the combination of these two quotes ha really helps to drive me in terms of how I approach the things I do. Um, a long-winded answer to uh, what mentors I look up to. No, no, that's great. I think uh, you made some really uh, awesome points there. And I like, I mean, I think what uh, what I'm hearing, the message is about mastery. It's about like really pursuing a craft and not giving up because you can expect those roadblocks early on. And I think uh, that's, that's the common rookie mistake a lot of people do is, you know, the first sign of failures or setbacks, they give up on something they were passionate about. And I think... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all, it's also important like that is definitely one part of it and the other half of it is not setting your goals to be markers of success other people f would look at to, and define as such in, in terms of like in business of like oh I want to make x amount of money and that's what's important it's like that actually is a byproduct of you having a great you know business and 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 cons an idea that you're executing if you, if it goes well you're going to make money but if that's your goal uh you know you might be very unhappy even if you've created a very successful business because you haven't hit an imaginary success benchmark of dollars. Same thing in, in acting, right? I want to win an Oscar is a much less useful goal than I want to uh, you know, create performances that move people uh, because ultimately whether or not you win an Oscar is not up to you. you know, just ask Leonardo DiCaprio. And like <laughs> – and and you've got to set goals and 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 shoot for things that actually – you know, help you become better at doing the thing you do. 
Yep, I agree. That's uh, nicely stated. So uh, my next question to you is, Richa, is uh, what's your definition, uh, having worked in this creative field for so many years now and having uh, rubbed shoulders with some of the best uh, performers and artists, what's your definition of success now and how would you define greatness? Uh, to me personally, uh, success, you know, this ties into what we were just talking about. Uh, success is uh, being able to execute at the top of my craft and to consistently improve that and work with other people to make great work. Um, and I think that, like, that's it's a, it sounds a little soft and a little vague, but ultimately, uh, at this point in my life, if I'm making a uh, whether it's a show or uh, a, a project or a piece of writing, and I'm doing it with people that I'm passionate about and, and I find exciting as artists, uh, I'm less. Con- it doesn't worry me about how big the audience is or, or whatever else. Uh, I'm more excited by is the project itself exciting to me um and if it is then I, I it's worth doing and it's worth doing well and if it goes well then that is successful and again a byproduct of that might be a lot of people will see it a byproduct of that might be the video game i'm designing you know gets uh x number of sales per unit you know whatever it is but ultimately what satisfies and and, and excites me and i, I count a success is did i do it well and was it a thing worth doing well and if so going for it full steam. Oh, I like it. And anything on greatness? Any uh, thoughts on uh, what's a life uh, well-lived and uh, great life? Anybody that comes to mind? Uh, any people that I yeah, feel anybody, are great? Uh, any, uh, any artist, performer, or anybody that, uh, when you think of greatness, who's the person that comes to mind for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um Yeah, I, I guess I just don't think in those terms a lot because it. I, I think to me, I don't know, like that. That is not something I spend a lot of brain space on. Mm. Uh, of focusing on like who is great and will I be great? Like I think a great playwright is uh, Sam Hunter, who is a playwright who, uh, unless your your audience are, are uh, pretty deep theater nerds, might not have heard of, but is writing incredibly moving and and phenomenal work. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in the variety of fields I've gotten to dabble in, comedy, uh, you know, such uh, playwriting, all of this, that are doing phenomenal work um, uh, that I admire, like uh, obvious one for comedy, Louis C.K., everyone, you know, he's he's kind of the the most famous guy right now, I feel like. But I think he's been doing some really great stuff for a while. Um, but I, I think for the most part, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about who's great and more it's like if i consume something awesome i'm like oh i want to take note of what this person is doing but for the most part uh it's about focusing on what you're doing uh rather than worrying about needing to live up to or 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 you know 
pin on the wall some other person's accomplishment as the great thing that you hope to one day make, right? Like yep. make your own thing. And if it's going to be great, it's going to be great. And if it's not great, you're going to make something better the next time you do it, I guess. No, that, that's, that's really a, a fantastic answer because I think, uh, you know, the same question when you ask uh, someone in the different domain, like the business field or uh, the technology field, you know, you get a different answer as to, you know, there's a benchmark or there, there are certain numbers to achieve. And I think yeah. uh, in the space of uh, performance and, and creativity, I think it's, as you stated very early on, that it was like it's very subjective right it's uh you know what what makes great for one person may not be great for the other person right sure well i I would argue even in business though like sure you can say like elon musk is great because he has built this huge empire and it's a billion dollar blah blah and like yes you can you can set that as you can definitely say that's great and i would agree uh but how useful is it to set that as your benchmark and your own measurement of success against that yardstick right uh to me it's not so useful because ultimately uh if you're concerned like it's about like where are you setting your focus is it the byproduct of greatness which is Mm. billions of dollars made uh x units sold or is it the core thing that inspired that person to become great which is for elon musk he's like i want to change the world in terms of uh i want you know i i don't know him well i might be projecting here and this might not be accurate but to me it feels like his his mo is I want to change the world and make the world a better place because uh, I believe in renewable energy. And that drives all of his greatness. Hmm. And if you are equally passionate about renewable energy, yes, that's what you should be setting your benchmark against. But I don't think it's useful to be like, unless I sell a billion units or, <laughs> or, or revolutionize an industry, I am not great. I think it's more useful of like observe that passion and, and find what thing what, – what problem – makes you as hungry to solve it as elon musk is hungry to solve the energy problem you know why is google great because they want to organize all of the information in the world it's a huge task and but they're like we're really hungry to solve this problem and they're great because they are are chasing that problem they're not great because they're the number one search engine that's a byproduct of the thing that made them great i like that that's really uh beautifully uh, uh elaborated on Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's really a fresh perspective on this. Uh, awesome. So we're going to move on to our next section. Uh, these are some of the questions we have gotten from our audience. Uh, each, uh, so the first question is, and what's your advice to an aspiring comedy writer? What would you say, like, where do they start? Is comedy that you can even write comedy? And can anyone write comedy? Or some people are more inclined and talented to write comedy. What would you suggest? Uh, so I have very strong opinions about this concept of talent. Uh, I think, yeah, some people might have a better natural inclination to do anything, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, especially in the arts field. Some people might, might be slightly more naturally inclined, but that gives you a maybe 1% advantage, uh, in the long run. Ultimately, it's about craft. Ultimately, it's about work. Ultimately, it's about getting better and putting in the time and the hours and the work to improve and learn how to do a thing. Uh, Absolutely. You can learn how to write comedy. Uh, And uh, it's a thing of putting in a lot of time and learning and, and breaking down uh, people who you admire of what they're doing, observing what they're doing, finding your own voice, discovering what things you find funny and being brave enough to share it. Um, uh, I I think my advice would be, uh, 
one, whatever art thing you want to make, consume a lot of it. If you want to be a game designer, play a lot of games. And don't just play it as a player. Play it with a critical eye of what is what is the gameplay pattern that's exciting here? If you want to be a playwright, read a lot of plays. What are these playwrights doing structurally uh, in terms of storytelling? If you want to be a comedian, watch a ton of stand-up and break down how they're setting up their jokes. Um, consume a lot of what you want to consume. And know that... Uh, it's just going to take a lot of work to get good at it. You're going to be bad at it. <laughs> and, and, and it's okay to be bad. And I know when I was, you know, starting into theater and, and playwriting and somebody's like, you're going to be bad for like three to five years. And I was like, I can't wait three to five years to write something good. <laughs> no way. But like uh, that, you know, that is being patient, I think, is another big piece. Like so consuming a lot of the thing you want to make. Allowing yourself to be bad, being patient with yourself as you're getting better, uh, and uh, and really knowing that it's not like there's this magical talent fairy that either you have or you don't. It's are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to keep putting in the work? Are you willing to work harder than other people and put in more work and keep going when other people would give up uh, and uh, and work, 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 work until you've made something that is worthwhile? That's that's awesome. Uh, the next question is, what is the secret to uh, being a good improviser? Like uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember, and uh, each you're you're like one of the one of the best that I've seen uh, at least in uh, my comedy uh, and theater uh, fan career, if you will. And uh, so I know we talked about those five or six steps. Do you want to kind of run down through those real quick? Or is there any other points that you want to talk about? I think I know the first one that you drilled us into all our, uh, in the workshop was yes and and. <laughs> and uh, that was Sure, great. sure. I think, uh, you know, when you break down uh, so the question, I guess, is uh, how what's the secret to being a good improviser? And the secret is, along with every other creative field, there is no secret. Uh, there's, uh, I think in every field, the basics are really simple. Uh, and when you hear them, you're like, oh, that's it? Oh, well, okay. But then learning actually how to execute on these seemingly simple concepts is a, is a lifetime pursuit, right? Like, uh, f- for me, writing has been that. When you break it down, writing is about, uh, you know, th- there's there's techniques of structure and organization that you learn. There's techniques of, uh, you know, like uh, crafting a narrative. And then once you learn those techniques, it's just about getting better at doing it. Improv is the same. There's some basic rules and guidelines. Yes, and. More important than yes, and, I would say, is listening. The secret to improv maybe is listening, if, if there's any secret, of just listening to your partner and then reacting honestly. And when you say listen to your partner and react honestly, it's a very simple sentence. But learning how to actually do that and, uh, uh, and then getting good at it is a whole other thing. Um, you know, I, I think, like, Sometimes uh, young artists will start learning a craft and they'll be told these basic things. They'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But what's the, what's the, what's the hard stuff? What's the really the, the, the advanced stuff? And ultimately, all of the advanced thing, uh, concepts to me are kind of icing on the cake. But you've got to have these fundamentals 
of the basics that makes up the body of the cake. And no matter how advanced you get in any field, coming back to these basics and, and doing running the drills, right, like in piano, playing your scales, uh, uh, whatever it is, you've, you've got to come back and do those and make sure those are strong and, and, and you find more depth at each time you do it, uh, more so than any of the fancy, more complicated concepts. Uh, I guess the secret to being a great improviser is just uh, you got to keep doing it and to get better at the basics. That's that's awesome. Uh, the next question is, uh, what, in your opinion, stops people from achieving their full potential? Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of the times it's uh, fear and being told uh, they can't. Uh, I think, or or or, or uh, them not realizing that they can go further and do more. Uh, one of my favorite exercises that I teach every time when I teach a beginning in improv class is uh, I say, "Okay, guys, what I want you to do is clap as loud as you can," uh, and the class will clap and cheer and hoot and holler. I'm like, "Great, great, uh, guys! If you can clap louder than that, uh, I'll give each of you five dollars right now out of my wallet." And then they clap and cheer and it's louder and it's louder and you're like, "Great, okay, awesome." Tell you what. If you guys can clap even louder than that, I will refund your your tuition money for this class. And they clap even louder. And and the whole point of the exercise is to say, okay, my first request was clap as loud as you can. And then you exceeded that several times over uh, over the course of this exercise, right? So where we think is um, our maximum is is oftentimes uh, not anywhere close to where our maximum is. Uh, and I think uh, – one is trusting that you can do more is a part of achieving your true potential. And then the other is like not letting other voices, whether your own internal voices or people around you, sometimes well-meaning supportive people telling you you can't or you shouldn't or you should slow down or you should step back or you should be more realistic or whatever it is. However the words come out, they're, what they're saying is like, hey, you know, maybe you don't have to try so hard or uh, maybe you, you might get hurt. Don't do the thing. Um, and it's really tough because sometimes those voices have have a point of like everything in moderation, finding the healthy way to pursue your goals. But uh, oftentimes, um, you know, I think the most cliche and obvious example is like you want to be an actor and a very well-meaning aunt is like, well, actors don't make money. And uh, do you really think this is what you want to spend your time on? And, you know, when you're older, you're going to regret not having a more stable career and saving up money. And, uh, you know, and, and all of these very reasonable reasons why you shouldn't chase after the thing you want and, and chase after the potential. Um, and it's a personal call to figure out where and when to listen to that and where and when to push beyond it. Uh, and, you know, I think as much as I want to say, you know, you don't know your potential and push, push, push harder. Uh, I also want to add in the caveat of like doing so healthily and doing so, uh, with a idea and a concept of, you know, uh, whether that's a physical limits or, or even emotional limits or, or whatever else of, uh, of chasing your potential, but not at the point of pushing yourself to, to harming yourself. Right. So, yeah, I think all of that factors into how far along a person can achieve against their own imagined potential. Yep, 
That's uh, nicely stated. And one other question within this segment is, if you could go back in time, let's say uh, each hour we have a hypothetical situation here, a time machine, uh, and uh, you could go back in time and talk to your young self, let's say your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give him? Uh, be patient. <laughs> you don't have to have written the next great American novel or the next great play by the time you're 25. So stop pushing yourself to, uh, but be hungry, uh, really be focusing on the craft of what you're doing rather than what you think success looks like. Don't worry about fame. Don't worry about, uh, you know, writing a thing that is the next Shakespeare thing. Just worry about what, excites you and what uh you can do to get better at at the things you're chasing and uh also nothing will go according to plan (laughs) (laughs) and be prepared for that in the sense of be ready to be open to change and uh because you know when i was 20 i was studying theater and playwriting and now i write for video games and also continue to write plays but you know have a whole career in uh you know game development that was not a part of that and that only happened by trying to stay open so i would just be but there was a lot of fear and trepidation and uncertainty and and doubt of like am i doing the right thing and i just want to tell younger self it's okay it's gonna work out all right Uh, (laughs) go forth yeah like that it's like being patient be hungry and uh, being uh, open to possibilities and because life uh, doesn't always go to, according to plan and I can I can totally uh, second that as well I think that's really uh, way true uh, moving on to our next section uh, which is the rapid fire round uh, each uh, this is like our fun section I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick questions and it's the kind of our our style of an improv here it's the first thing that comes to your mind and of course if you want to elaborate on it feel free to do so but again this is the rapid fire round so uh, are you ready Icha? i am ready all right so the first question is what rock star has impressed you <laughs> uh the first thing that came to my mind was taylor swift okay <laughs> Okay, uh, if you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? Uh, I would choose a soccer player. Okay, the next question. The greatest work of art? Oh, man. Uh, The greatest work of art is obviously... (laughs) (laughs) Talking myself in a corner. Uh, it is, uh, uh, hey, this is the improv time, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, no pressure. Okay. It's definitely no pressure. Uh, <laughs> Chapel. All right, no, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have witnessed one event in history, um, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Okay, the single most valuable thing you've learned in life. Uh, love people. Don't be a jerk. Okay. And if God exists, can she be trusted? Uh, I think uh, that's been proven to be no, but that's okay. And it'll be all right. <laughs> and if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? 
don't look behind you. Got it. Awesome. So this wraps up our rapid fire section and we are moving on to our <laughs> final section and that is the wrap up round. And uh, so I just have three questions for you here. And the first question is, uh, what is your current uh, personal or business passion project that you're working on and what are you looking forward to over the next six months to a year? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm working on uh, two big things uh, in terms of personal passion, passion projects. Uh, one is a, a solo improvised show called Pint of Life. Uh, it's a show involving ice cream, and uh, I perform it. Uh, I've performed it at a lot of different places, but the next place will be at the Vancouver Fringe Festival as part of the Canadian Fringe Festival. Uh, I'll be performing in Vancouver, BC for two weeks, so I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, the other project I'm working on is a improvised musical. So basically there's a cast of performers. They make up a musical on the spot each night, uh, It's and it's about – uh, the musical is called Dystopia! Exclamation point. The musical. So it's about the end of the world and a dystopic future, but it's all done in song and dance. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I've been uh, developing the show for a while. We open October 10th, uh, October 5th, uh, and it runs every Thursday and Friday, Friday at 8 p.m. at Jet City Improv. Uh, you can find out more information about that show at jetcityimprov.org. Great. And how can people reach you and contact you uh, if they have any uh, uh, opportunities or questions or anything if they want to reach you? What's the best way to get hold of you? You can find me at Twitter at Michael Yichow. Uh, I am also I also have a website, michaelyichow.com. Uh, you can contact me via the contact page. Yes, and we'll include, uh, for the benefit of the audience, we'll include all those show links in our notes here. And uh, the next question uh, is, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? Uh, today, I am very grateful for uh, my family. I think uh, they are a big part of why I've gotten to do the things I've gotten to do, uh, how hard my mom has worked to provide the resources for me to become the person I am and to accomplish the things I have. Uh, I'm grateful for awesome friends who are generous with their time and uh, kind and full of supportive uh, energy when I need it. Uh, friends who I can talk to at 3 a.m. when I have moments of crushing doubt on a project and they're like shut up each other you're gonna be fine uh and uh i am grateful for uh this city i've loved seattle uh and it's been a cool environment uh, where i've gotten to meet a lot of really great people and find a lot of uh, fun new uh, ventures and venues to do fun projects and uh have success and have a career that i'm really enjoying so yeah no, that's go. that's awesome. Uh, so I would like to acknowledge you, each uh, of, for a couple of things. Uh, one, that for really being generous with your time and uh, being such a role model for our community, because you are re- really leading the way and showing us what's possible with making bold choices like theater and uh, improv and uh, being a player, you know, being a writer and uh, showing us like you know what comedy can be uh, can do for just the creative aspect of our lives and the community. I mean, uh, you know, with your contribution to the Jet City Improv, it's been such a phenomenal uh, 
community giving back to uh, Seattle. I think a lot of people have benefited from your workshops and I, I they continue to enjoy your blog posts and uh, it's such a such an amazing contribution that you're making to the community and also the fact that uh, you know having uh, having a love for your family and friends and just just being an all you know just just being a great guy that's that's what I comes to mind and so thank you for again taking the time to be on the show really appreciate that thanks for the kind words and uh, thank you for everything you do Cal uh, really my appreciate pleasure. It. and uh, one final question and this is how we wrap up all our interviews and that is why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends <laughs> uh, I think there is uh, a lot to be said about just friends just chatting about life and things and uh i always enjoy listening in on those conversations and being part of those conversations and uh welcome you guys as the audience to uh come listen with us and join the conversation reaching out to cal and i so awesome so thank you again for your time and candid answers i truly valued our conversation and appreciate you taking the time on this uh, program and for those of us listening With that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.